What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. My name is John Kroom, and if you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Guys, if this is your first time tuning into this podcast, thank you so much for clicking in on this episode. And if this is your several episode that you're coming back to listen to, thank you so much for tuning in again. I really appreciate it. And again, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. But anyways, let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode, and that is with Dan Bigham. Dan Bigham has the most wild story. I mean, he's played coach, he's played aerodynamics physicist, you know, he's played the mad scientist all the way to battling his way into Team GB, you know, to diving into the road time trial to all the way to winning World Cups uh, on the track. And he's kind of done it all on his own. He's created his own opportunities, his own path, and uh, it's actually really inspiring and I'm super impressed with it. He even owns his own company, Watch Shop, which is just pretty much free watts. Well, not free, it has a price tag, but anyways, he creates great stuff. But anyways, let's go ahead and dive into this episode. We chat about the hour record he just completed. We chat about the hour record that Alex Dowsett completed, but this conversation was pre-recorded, so we actually talk about predictions before uh, Alex Dowsett broke the record. We also dive into some of the people that aren't huge Dan fans for whatever reason, and we can't seem to figure out why. And yeah, it's a great episode, but anyways, that enough of me talking let's go ahead and dive into this week's sponsor so we can dive into the episode and first up spot spot covers your medical bills up to twenty thousand dollars each time you get injured spot will cover your actual out-of-pocket costs instead of a fixed fee in a world where many people are under are uninsured with sky-high deductible spot fills that gap that has sorely been lacking in the outdoor space spot has no deductible and is a monthly subscription can be canceled at any time spot works with you whether you have health insurance or not while Spot works with and covers a lot of cyclists and mountain bikers, Spot policy covers you 24-7 worldwide, whether you're ripping a crit, skiing a black diamond, chopping up food in your kitchen, or climbing Mount Everest. All you have to do is go to kroom.getspot.com, that's kroom.getspot.com, or go to the link down in the description below to get your quote today. Also sponsoring this podcast yet again is Twisted Spoke CBD. Guys, I actually just took a little bit of the peppermint CBD, CBN nighttime tincture because I'm actually about to get ready to go to bed. It's 9.30 on a Tuesday night. Yeah, I know this is coming out on a Thursday, but I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm pre-recording this right before I head over to Detroit for the Lexus Velodrome Madison. And yeah, guys, it's some of the best CBD out on the market. I'll sleep like a baby tonight. And it's made by cyclists, so you have to go check them out. TwistedSpokeCBD.com. That's TwistedSpokeCBD.com. Or go to the link in the description below to check out your products. I'm even using their doggy tincture. Well, I'm not using it, but I'm using it on my dogs because he just tore his ACL. And, uh, yeah, we're trying to help him soothe and calm himself because he's in a lot of pain, and we see that this Twisted Spoke CBD is working. So, again, all you have to do is go to TwistedSpokeCBD.com. That's TwistedSpokeCBD.com. Okay, let's dive into the episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. Sitting here with Dan Bigham. Dan Bigham's been on the podcast a few times, and, uh, you know, we just had Ashton Lambie on the podcast, who's now, who's also been on the podcast a few times, but he was newly world champion. Now we got a new hour record holder. He couldn't go for the uh, the the world hour record, but um, 
he got the British one and beat, you know, probably one of the most controversial ones that probably we never thought would get tackled. But uh, anyways, Dan, how you doing? I'm really good, man. Yourself? Yeah, just living the dream, dude. Another day in, in paradise here in Colorado. And uh, yeah, I can't, can't be too stressed. But yeah, man, uh, diving into it. Like last time we chatted and kind of what I said when we started this podcast, like one moment I think you're quitting and the next moment you're at Worlds, not in a working role, but you are actually racing. So how the fuck did you end up there? And how did how did we get here, man? Like literally last podcast, the last podcast you were talking about, hey, man, I don't think I'll ever have an opportunity. Like it is what it is. And you were content with it. The next thing you know, you're at Worlds. So how, how did you get there? What can you and can you not tell me? Because 98% of the shit you guys do is all big secret and a emoji shush you know uh no that that's smoke and mirrors like everything's in the open and we pretend there's lots of stuff behind the scenes um okay so well yeah i guess my early season i was just busy with all the tokyo stuff right with Denmark, yeah and even though i'm wearing a, a dutch jacket right now thanks to medi for hooking me up this is it's a really nice jacket i do like it yeah that's really it. cool man yeah <laughs> um, I'm not in the Dutch Federation, by the way. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Let's start the rumors now. Start the rumors yeah. now. So basically, yeah, after Tokyo, I was like, well, all in for the rest of my season now. This is when my season starts, my own personal ambition. So um, I wanted to go to Worlds. I was pretty open with, with British Cycling about that and applied as such. And I think I did some good domestic rides, but obviously I can't race the World Tour. I'm not, I'm not racing at the World Tour and can't go and race against my competitors so it was just hoping that the numbers spoke loud enough and it put me in as second reserve basically behind um Darren Thomas Pidcock and, and Ethan Hater and Darren and, and Pidcock had other ambitions the rest of the year and focuses and I think Darren's had an operation on his shoulder just just last week and uh yeah basically meant that it was me and Ethan going to the world to the individual time trial and I had to kind of keep that quiet through tour of Britain had a back injury that well, I've always had a back injury for basically five years now after getting yeah. hit by a car and uh tour Britain I crashed on stage one and it just made it really bad just had to kind of drag myself through it and it was getting worse and worse and worse and it's like well why well, I'm going to drag myself through another three or four stages just to finish the race when I know in one week's time I'm going to try and race the individual time trial the world so I want to be in a decent state not so much about the form or the fatigue but just being able to walk would be quite nice so, um, yeah, pulled out of the Tour of Britain after stage five, went home and just worked on getting my back sorted. And yeah, I went to the World Team Time, uh, the World Individual Time Trial and raced the Team Time Trial in the Mixed Relay. And yeah, had a, a good day out, really. I think it wasn't physiologically like the best day. Yeah. Obviously, you have some awesome days and you have some average days. And I'd say it was an average one, but I was pretty content with where it got me. Like 16th, I think, is. Yeah, it's pretty solid for a first outing. Happy. Yeah, and that's your first that's your first ride at Worlds in the individual time trial. Because you've been to Worlds before in the mixed relay and you guys did pretty well, right? Yeah, so I went to World my first time at Road Worlds is 2019. I've been to Track Worlds once, 2018. And then yeah, this was my first time as an individual racing at Road Worlds. So in the in the individual time trial. So yeah, I think I did pretty solid and team time trial as well was pretty cool having John back in and having Alex as well in the team time trial and working on all the optimization again of that and how it went. I think it was pretty good as well. Not obviously what you want. You want to go there and try and win or definitely get on the podium, but we were pretty content with how performance went. I think everybody got it all out and the women were like properly awesome. Like, well, it seems, we, we, 
it also seems like you and Johnny switched a little bit of roles. Like Johnny was in the car. And so what was it like having Johnny whale in your ear for a fucking time trial for what? 45 minutes. <laughs> so that was natural chance. So yeah. I've, I've wanted him there for a while. He's, he's really good psychologically. Like yeah. genuinely. Uh, obviously that's his background, but he knows what to say when and how. And sometimes that's for your benefit. And sometimes it's definitely not. And he's, he knows what to say to push your buttons. But yeah, he was a good guy to have there and has been through the, the, the motions and like, you know what it's like before competition, you're stressed and you're pressured and you want things exactly how you want them. Yeah. But you don't always want to verbalize that and be like, do this, do that, do the other. You just want people to just do it, automatically do it. And he's one of those guys who just automatically does it. And I think that was just awesome. Uh, so yeah, having him in your ear, he was saying all manner of weird stuff and funny stuff. So <laughs> early on, it was like quite jokey, trying to keep it like relaxed. Because that's yeah. what you need to do. When I start a time trial, you've got to keep it chill. So he's cracking jokes about like the camera bike following me and think of all like the Instagram photos and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the back end is obviously a lot more serious and talking about, yeah, holding position, railing corners, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, he was pretty awesome in the air, definitely. Sweet. And so, yeah, like that. So we, we and I've, I've, by my fault, I've fast forwarded a little bit. We, you know, we, we've gone from, <laughs> we've gone from worlds and um you know because everything happened so quick for you and it maybe it's just because i see it on instagram it looks like it's happening quick and it's actually been this like long drawn out thing but it's like back in june you know we're sitting on the podcast we're chatting about you know you're about to leave for tokyo or you weren't leaving for tokyo you're staying in denmark you know you're watching all this shit, and then you know what it seemed like boom tour of britain now you're racing tour of britain and then you know, you were talking about all the cakes and fucking, what, what was that Danish candy or whatever that you were fucking Oh, yeah, yeah, all the tasty Dan- Danish cakes. Uh, well, there's like Kanel Schnur, Kanel Stel, Kanel Schnang, Kanel Bra, yeah. all the candle. <laughs> and then, and then, so then you end up at Tour of Britain and, and you're riding for teammate James Shaw and you're smashing it. It's not like you're hanging on for dear life. Usually, because there's different levels, what it's like continental pro continental right you guys are pro continental right like that no no continental yeah there's that that. yeah there's that mix there's like 10 different levels but anyways you're like the lowest level of that that um that pro level team or whatever and uh you guys actually gave it to him man like i mean like it was like i would we would have never guessed if there wasn't those licensed statuses and so how did you prep for that dude like how did you how did you make that transition? Because for a lot of guys, especially like we see guys retire all the time. And, you know, you look at like Adam Blythe, you look at like Bradley Wiggins, these guys, they become commentators, they become coaches, whatever. They're not doing it all in a year, though, jumping right back into high performance racing. So how the fuck are you even doing that, man? That's insane. Oh, yeah, a bit of commentary, a bit of the old. Yeah, stuff. You're, yeah, you're doing it all. <laughs> like these guys are doing one of them. So they're like they're like a commentator or they are doing the aero stuff or they are doing the coaching. You're, you're literally doing everything. You've got one life. You've got to crack on, right? Do it all yeah. what you can. And yeah. it's fun. I, I enjoy doing a bit of commentary. I'm not going to do it every single week. Definitely not. But it's nice yeah. to just dip in and do a few bits here and there. And uh, yeah, it's not easy, but like the tour of Britain, I'd say my preparation for that started when COVID started because yeah. obviously team pursuit, the UCI regulation changes, world cups, nations cups, all being, Fudged about and then team pursuit wasn't a thing for us anymore and it, literally from that moment it was pr- pretty crystal clear in my head that i had to be that selfish individual solo rider and pick goals that were more individual which 
were obviously the hour record, but road time trials, stage races, and you just have to train more. There's not much more to it. So that's yeah. how it was, right? I mean, everybody, every athlete had a lot more training capacity and a lot more recovery capacity just because you can go anywhere or do anything. So whether that was, well, for me, it was a benefit because I'm used to doing so much other stuff that it, it literally forced me to train and recover and not hop on a plane to go and help somebody else race some other race kind of thing. Yeah. So that meant I was just a better prepared athlete. 2020 was kind of laying the foundations and this year physiologically have been a lot better because of that and has enabled those performances at the back end of the year because I've just trained and recovered a whole lot better and having Tipper as a coach has definitely helped that just somebody to set sessions and hold me accountable really because historically I've not probably been quite as on the ball of actually just getting the hard work done being consistent with it so yeah it's to crack with it and yeah it just meant that Tour Britain we were pretty damn competitive but like James Shaw as much as riding for us as a continental team he is a world tour rider and yeah. will be a world tour rider next year but um and he was just showing his capability there and for me the big focus was the team time trial stage three and just didn't go anywhere near as well as we'd hoped we had so many mechanicals not even just in that stage just in the entire week just lots of things going wrong that really shouldn't go wrong and then we lost the eye after like five minutes he snapped his chain and that kind of just put paid to the chance of us being in medal contention really so we got to the bottom of the climb other guys had had to work that weren't planned to be doing work which meant they were fatigued and couldn't ride the climb as hard as we wanted to so left me james and matt um riding to Griff's pace and that's not a poor that's not a bad reflection on Griff saying oh my god we had to only ride at 400 watts of the climb it's just that he'd had to do more turns on the bottom and you can't just adjust for that on the fly when it's a like a 15 oh, I wasn't even that it was like a 13 minute time trial or something I think it was yeah it was rapid but um yeah it was just a bit frustrating really um this could have been better but anyway uh, yeah, yeah we like there. I said it's bonkers and so like you know, real quick, you know, when you're on these teams, like, you know, cause like you wear so many hats, like, do you instantly, do you get the opportunity to be Dan, the rider, or do you get, do you have to still play all like 10 roles? Because like, even me, I have to, I have to like, cause I bring you on the podcast all the time to just talk shit, get clicks and the whole shebang. Um, but, uh, but like what I'm asking is, is I want to ask you all the time, like, Hey man, do you have a couple seconds to help me with this position? Do you want to, do you have a couple seconds to help me look at this power file, this CDA and whatever else? So like, do you instantly become Dan, the arrow guy as well on the team? Or do they give you the space and the opportunity to be Dan, the bike rider? It's yeah, varies. So back in who bought bike, we literally had a rule that no one was allowed to ask me a question an hour and a half out from competition no an way. hour just an hour and a half so just yeah, you get 90 fucking minutes okay all right <laughs> but that's fine like i was cool with that because <laughs> at least 90 minutes out you still can have an influence if it if it goes wrong after that 90 minutes then oh well <laughs> yeah it's what it is uh and people accepted that whereas it's hard to have those hard and fast rules in road cycling because it's not as clear cut like timetables and schedules and things go wrong that really shouldn't go wrong on the road but it's really ad hoc and it's hard to deal with. So like, for example, before the team time trial, size DI2 completely died. And then I was like checking like, oh, if we pump these tires up, why are those screws on that bike? Why is there no tape on that valve hole? Like, is that skin suit on right? And you've got six guys in a team time trial rather than four in a team pursuit. Yeah. And you're like, more people, more bikes, more things to go wrong, keep an eye on. And 
it's hard when as well staff aren't as consistent so going back to the track you've got the same guys every week doing the same sessions even in training whereas at well at these kind of tour levels you might have three new soigneurs that haven't been in the team before don't know how you work or a different mechanic to you what you're used to or anything like that and it just means having those processes in place are just a whole lot harder to make them easy to follow so yeah i don't i, I struggle in road racing to take that half people do come to me very late in the day like what tire pressure should i run is this right i can't put my overshoes on all that kind of way. like it yeah. just happens yeah. to suck it up and accept it and deal with it so now continuing that because i know this guy was with you at worlds and you were about to go ride the hour record now he's riding the hour record how much ear bending did you get at worlds about the fucking hour record or how many appearances did you make it in the vlog for that matter and we're talking about alex Dowsett for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're just we're going to call it the vlog as well because that's what john <laughs> been calling it and everyone right. just looked, you say it around the dinner table like alex why aren't you doing your vlog and everyone just looked like mate it's a vlog yeah it's <laughs> just like a it's vlog. just like a b-log so it's same thing i get it you same know thing. uh we talked quite a bit collectively about the hour record yeah uh, john's obviously got a, a good interest joss as well was preparing for hers and basically it was just yeah the mixed relay chat about that but we're kind of showing each other like different things on our bikes and skin suits and just chatting about it so it wasn't he wasn't sitting there kind of squeezing me for for ideas and stuff i think he had his own thoughts and how he wanted to approach it which is pretty cool because yeah i'm kind of used to a lot of people just wanting free advice whereas alex just wanted to chat shit about our records because there's a lot of stuff preparation wise that you kind of no one else thinks about so when you try and talk to somebody like if i was trying to chat to you about to know how the hell do you pick your gearing what do you do with your pacing all that kind of stuff like you probably have a good idea but you're not gonna want to sit and talk half an hour about gearing for our records like you get bored pretty quick yeah while it interests me uh, a lot i i feel like i have a lot more stuff to worry about than trying to go for an hour record and but for an hour record like it's I know how much goes, I actually take that back. I don't know how much goes into it, but I know that it's enough, enough goes into it where I start to black out. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So like by the point where it's like, okay, now I got to book a track for an hour. I need, you know, water, or USADA or the ITA or whoever there. And then I need this many officials like, boom, you've already lost me. Cause it's like, that's 10 people that I got to somehow shepherd in and get organized. And so. Now that and, you, and you're feeling that, and so now that kind of segues us into your hour record. Uh, it was it's Grecken, right? Am I saying that right? You know, the Americans want to say Grecken. Different. I they say Grecken. You say Grecken. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But they don't say Grecken there. It's yeah, Grecken or something. Yeah, it's like Grecken. Yeah, so like, well, I'm going there in December, and I don't want to look like a complete jackass because, you know, Johnny's known to correct me on my shitty <laughs> accent and so i'm trying to avoid that with anybody else for that matter um but anyways you know you had to do that organization and so in the process of you being dan the you know national federation coach or helper or, you know aerophysicist and whatever to being dan the rider to then being dan the rider going for the hour record now you're organizing your hour record and i guess josh's hour record who josh is probably helping as well um, and so it's like, it's mad, like you guys are doing everything. So what was that like? And what was the process, I guess, more or less going into that? So there was different requirements. Thankfully, Joss had a lot of support through drops the call. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll look primarily for the bankrolling of it. And it's like a significant five, six figure sum, like nearly six figure sum to put an hour record on at that level. Wow. It's ridiculous. And like people are like, oh, but well, why didn't you pay the 8,000 quid to go on the passport, the registered testing pool? And I'm like, well, that's one requirement. Like, look at all the other things you have to do to put an, a world hour record on. It's like, that's, it's not a drop in the ocean. It's a significant amount, but there's so much more that goes on. And even like, so I had like UCI commissaires there and timekeeping and anti-doping, but the level of commissaire you need, the level of um, race officials, the timekeeping level, the anti-doping before and after that you need, it's all just a step up. And it's just more cost, more expense, more people to find, like you said, you just, it's just, yeah bloody nightmare um so just had a lot of support and they they literally hired somebody to organize it for her okay so most of her logistics thankfully were like sorted and quite easy for me it was a bit more on my plate because the call weren't going to organize my hour record for but me. were you able to piggyback a little bit like track time i mean because here's the thing it's like they're already uh, doing it there so you can you I had to sort my own track time out there, uh, which was really helpful. It was mostly Claudio Imhoff and the Swiss cycling guys who helped me. They literally wow. okay. gave me a load of track time, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, I was sorting that out myself, sorting yeah the anti-doping and time coding and track booking and paying for all of that was yeah on on my plate, which uh, I, I, I'm not going to tell the well, the cock, obviously we're putting a huge amount of jostles and it, in some respects, yeah, organizing together would have been easier, but Tizzy was yeah. What I'm asking though, like if you're piggybacking off of it, I'm not saying so. Like, I'm just I'm throwing a number. I'm saying like if they drop down fifty grand for an hour, let's just say for everybody and everything, right? Could you have just been like, hey, everybody, extend your hour. We'll do another fifty grand. I'll find that sponsor. You see what I'm saying? Like that's what I mean by piggybacking. I'm not saying like. Yeah, yeah, we could have done, but that would have required I think a call to be keen for me to do that, and they uh, wanted. And to be honest, I, I agree. I think Josses needs to stand in its own right. Like for us to do it one hour, then the next hour, literally simultaneously, let's say same like courage, as much as I think that's awesome for us as a couple. And what we could talk about for that as Lacole using, because it's a marketing vehicle, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what sport is to a certain extent. And they want to market Joss. And if Joss is the front page news on cycling news, cycling tips, every website out there for one hour, then that's not really good return on investment. Uh, I get you, I get you. Yeah. So it it could have been done, but uh, yeah, I think probably they did the right thing from their perspective. Um, for sure. She's the world hour record holder. You're just British. <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm actually, um, this is unofficial because it's not a thing, the sea level world record holder. Really? That's a yeah, thing. We, we all made that a thing when... Uh, like when Glacier did the the one minute under a minute at sea level. I remember yeah. that. It was in Manchester. It's like, oh, he's the sea level world record holder. And if you went to go Google it, you're not going to find it. <laughs> Everybody knew it was it because nobody's ever gone under a minute. And mm. so so you're actually, because Bradley Wiggins would have been the sea level world record holder. And so now that you've beaten that, you're the, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, because I heard something that you were only the third fastest, but that makes no sense. Because if they- so I'm second or fourth, depends which way you look at it. I'm second behind Campenarts okay. under the current regs. I'm fourth overall ever. So you've got uh, Boardman and Tony Rominger who've gone further. Oh, and that's they because of the, the and that's because of the measurements. Uh, yeah, okay, so the, okay, okay. You know the positional stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah Boardman did 
did Superman, but he did it at sea level. He did 56.3 at Manchester, which is just mad. That's okay. like my fastest lab. He did and so, for an hour. And so this podcast is going to come out, I think, after Dowsett has gone. Yeah. And so now I'm going to put you on the spot. This is, <laughs> do you think he breaks it? And I'll give you my honest opinion too. And I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be a hundred percent. You want me to go first? I'll go, first, go first just to set the grounding. Um, <laughs> I, it's either going to go really well or it's going to go really bad. And by really well, I think he breaks it and that's it. Like, it's not like he smashes it. I just think he like breaks it. And by really bad, I don't think he adjusts the altitude. I think he's a little overstressed because it kind of comes together last minute, you know, and he's like trying to slam, slam it all together. But um, I think the odds are more likely that he doesn't do it. As shitty as that sounds. Um, and I've tried to get him on the podcast before, and this is probably not going to help my my case at all. But <laughs> okay, uh, I'll squeeze his bolts. <laughs> yeah, but but I've yeah I've tried to get him on before, and I definitely think that this won't help. But I would say this to his face, and I it's, I mean he can look at me dead in the face and be like, "Well, John, it seems like you can't go you know four thirteen at sea level, so pull your head out of your ass." And it's like, "Well, okay, yeah, I can't seem to figure that out either." So you're not yeah, wrong. Yeah. Um, okay. So my take is is it doable it's doable i i it's hard right so from my perspective i spent a lot of time trying to do what i did and then like obviously i was there doing all the preparation so i know what went into it and i don't know what alex has done behind the scenes so it's hard to kind of stand anywhere and be like i don't think you've done this or i don't think you've done that because they might have done behind the scenes it might just be smoke and mirrors it's all coming together late late in the day and actually he's had the bike for like six months and he's done a test run and broke it at sea level so i don't know but I, I as an athlete going into an event having not had that bike and not done the test runs and not knowing exactly what helmet skin suit wheels tires chain ring crank etc you're going to run i would be shitting myself that you've put your head on this world level chopping block and said i'm better than everyone who's gone before me i'm going to go and do it and having not checked it beforehand that you can do it i find it really like quite scary like it took me a lot to put it out there and say i'm going to go for the hour record now that's only the british hour record and it, less stress pressure financial costs etc and I'd less done, stress but, you were you were going to beat bradley wiggins who i it's still pressure but bradley wiggins yeah. is only the british hour record holder or was it in british hour he's not the world hour record holder and it's another step sure. and i find it <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know, I did a lot of practice runs and I, I effectively beaten it in training and it took that for me to be like, right, okay, we should do this now. So will he do it? I think altitude-wise, he'll actually be quite well acclimatized. I think he will probably struggle at the back end having not done longer track efforts and I think that's where it will fall apart. I think he'll be on pace maybe even above pace through 30 minutes, maybe even towards 40. And around that 35, 40, 45 minute window, I reckon he's going to start to struggle and I think he won't break it. I think I think he'll beat my distance, I think. Hey, I, I've run numbers and there's like scenarios where he could run like, he could be like 53.9, he could be like 55.9. Like it depends a lot. There's a, so much it depends because that's like a, that's like a 40 watt window. Yeah, but you you've done a lot of altitude. You're at altitude now, actually. 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm yeah. about as high as where he will be, I'm pretty sure. I'm at eight. And I bet you see differing impacts on your power, depending if you've done more altitude or not. And Depends where I'm coming from. So, like, if I come from sea level and I come back here, I have, like, a week where I'm on a tear. Like, my power numbers are actually pretty good. But then I start to dip back down and it starts to level back out. It, like, goes like this and it dips and then it starts to level back out again to where it normally usually is. But, and that's not always, right? It depends on how, on what I did and what happened. But for example, like I was in T-Town when we did our last podcast, I was racing at sea level for 10 weeks and it was all track races. I came right back up here and I did, you know, Leadville mountain bike race at 10,000 feet, you know, and yeah. that was, and I did it in under nine hours at, you know, 92 kg, like that's, pretty good you know <laughs> like that's pretty solid um yeah, yeah. with thirteen thousand feet of climbing um and i'm surprised i didn't die but um so you but, responded pretty well from there yeah and i literally i legit flew in had two days drove did it with jen valente after she came off of winning olympic gold and then we came back but she i mean she she just had fun i was like i have to get under nine because there's like that belt buckle tier thing you know <laughs> but uh but anyways yeah so i kind of i kind of agree with you that's kind of where where i was at and in, in, in thinking this whole thing um in the hour record but you know talking about the hour record and lead into you know track worlds you know ghana the, there was a release of his 30 minute test at 57k an hour um what do you what do you think of that uh just just before we jump onto that uh this is coming out after dallas's series record so if you've done it well done, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> if he listen if he listens to this it'd be great oh, he'll if, definitely listen back <laughs> if, you, if you listen to this man you know i'd love to have you on the pod you know especially after your hour especially if i was wrong um that would be great because then you could just make me look like an asshat so yeah, I, I genuinely hope he does get it because same. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's is it possible? I don't know. I I, I sit on the fence. It's it is possible. It's just it's a hard. It's a really hard thing to do. That's well, it seems like and it seems like you guys like once one guy breaks it, another guy's you like you know what? I think I could go out there and do it. You know, like you can just like go down the list of all these guys that like start trying to do the hour, uh, like Mikael Berg was from Denmark. Like there was that time where there was like 10 of you guys like going for the hour all at once, whether it was the Danish hour or the Dutch hour or whatever. It was just like, everybody was trying to ride the hour. Um, which yeah, was really like exciting. the Danes love it. Basically Mikkel Björg and Martin Toff Madsen have been fighting each other. They keep doing like 50 meters more every few months. Jeez. But now one of them, I think Toff Madsen genuinely, I'm very confident he can beat Campanats at sea level. Like I know what I did. And I know Toss numbers, aero and power. And I think on the track, physical, he has a he has a better what's the CDA for me for an hour. Simple wow. as that. So I'm pretty sure he can do it at sea level. Doesn't mean I don't think I can. I'm pretty sure I probably could have a go. But um, and obviously on that day, a few weeks back, I couldn't. But yeah, Garn is a whole other one. Although I'm not sure. I personally believe 57 and a half. I haven't run the numbers on it. I don't know. So that's this is just me spitballing going, I reckon he was more like, if he did a standing start, and did 115 laps. That's not 57 and a half. That's like 58k an hour because you've got the stunning start to deal with. And if you're at that average speed by that point, then you don't have the start in the second half. So you're going further. So 
don't know, unless you, you put the numbers out. I'm pretty sure it's probably more like 55 and a half, 56. I don't know. This is me just putting a number out. I don't know, but he, he'll break it. That's like an absolute no-brainer. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't know if it was 57 and a half. We'll wait and see. It'll come out for sure one day. Yeah, or yeah. No, I, I, I'm interested to see like if Ineos would ever just back him. You know, because it seems like some of the, or at least back in the day, especially like when Dowsett was on Movistar, um, you know, when Victor was on Lotto, like they, they all backed it. And then, and then now this teams just kind of don't seem interested as much anymore. Yeah. Um, you've got to make a big thing over it, haven't you? It's marketing. You come back to it. You've got yeah. to shout and scream about it. And um, yeah, with Garner, everyone's waiting for it to see like how much he knocks it out of the park by. For sure. And, I mean, if he does do 57 and a half, right. if he goes to altitude, oh, let's just do 60. Let's just go for it. I was about to say there's, well, I was thinking that there hasn't been many that I've watched all the way through, but I watched yours. I watched Joss's. I watched Dowsett when he was on Movistar and I watched Wiggins. I did not watch the Camping Yards one all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think he would break it. Um, Here's a that was, pretty fact for you. I was at Wiggins Hour Record. And Were I'd, never you? Ridden, I'd not even ridden a track bike by that point in my career. Oh, wow. Fun fact of the day, dude. That's crazy. No, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's nuts. So anyways, we're going on a tangent now. So, But back yeah. on Ghana, how shocked were you when you were looking at Tiso or when you were looking at look, watching it that you saw him qualify third? Yeah. Uh, my thought is he's come to the end of a long season and he's not quite been pinging. But not was that before or after their bikes got stolen too? That was before. Like that yeah. sucked, right? Having yeah. your bikes into shit. Like we got broken into three times back in 2017, and each had a bike nicked, and it fucking sucks. Yeah, and especially yeah. when it's a, a cool bike like that. Like having me having like my Shimano 105 felt nicked in 2017 sucks. <laughs> having a, like a gold chrome Pinarello Believe with everything on stolen well and uh, the other thing that sucks is other people probably just think that oh he'll just get another one like they don't understand like <laughs> the process that goes into those things and yeah like and, it's not and what the bike means to you right yeah like you have a bike like your bike probably means a lot because of everything you've been through together <laughs> as weird as that is but it's true right well honestly everything it took to get it like i mean you know i had to text tail boss and, and pretty much be like, hey, man, do you want to sell that Argon? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's going to be this amount. And I was like, okay, cool. So I bought it. And then I was like, well, I've already spent this much money. And I was like, I might as well just buy the extensions. And so I went, I'm literally in bed at like eight in the morning. I don't think I even texted you. I didn't text anybody from Watch Shop. I was just like, fuck it. I'm not going to ask for a discount and be that asshat. I'll just buy the extensions. And yeah, and like a lot went into it. So if my bike got stolen today, yeah, I'd be fucking livid. Mm-hmm. And, but it, yeah. but then that doesn't take away from the fact that Ghana probably makes a Buku's more money than I do and 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 is so high up in the sport that yeah Pinarello may drop a bike on his front doorstep any day of the week but it's right after the Olympics it's gold it's that bike like you can never replace it's like a wedding ring I, I would think in a weird way right is that kind of a weird way to put yeah. that and at the end of the day someone's going to buy that stick it it'll be some ri- it's like um Stolen art, isn't it? It's just going to yeah. sit on some rich guy's like banister or something, hanging up, looking cool, and they'll be like, "Yeah, oh, that's Garner's bike from the Olympics or whatever." And yeah, it's it's annoying, it's frustrating, but yeah, to go back to to worlds to see Ashton sitting on the top and by some margin, that wasn't a tenth yeah. or two tenths. It was like 
two and a half, three seconds or something clear. And I'm like, yeah, because well, he's got that. Because I even I even asked him in, in the, you know at this point I think his podcast has come out before this one, but mm. I asked him I was like okay switch Jonathan Milan and Felipe Ghana, how would your head have been you know like do you have because I think he went into that one and was like I got this like he's hyped you know like I'm two seconds ahead but I was like well what if Ghana rode the same time and you're two seconds ahead of Ghana well, how do you feel and he's like dude I would felt completely different, would you agree, like how would yeah. you have felt in that situation. Even more retrospectively, right? Because Ghana went out mad hot. Like yeah. he was 14-2s, 14-3s, which is like, well, it was, it was team pursuit splits. It's not team pursuit splits anymore. But yeah, yeah, like he went out real, really on it and caught Claudio. And like Claudio maybe could have beaten him if they'd flat paced it. But, him, but you've got to be able to respond to that. Like if you see Ghana's dropping 14-2s and you're at 15-2s, your time is, is uh, very limited and you need to respond. Uh, but then Ashton can do that, or he historically has done that by default. I'm just yeah. going to go out real hard and, and hang on. And it just so happens that after his 359.9, he realized that pacing an effort actually works. Yeah. And, uh, he goes faster for it. But yeah, if you switch out Milan and, and Garner, it's that whole head to head thing. Like they are, at the end of the day, they're like the two IPs of this current generation right now, aren't they? And, uh, to see them going head to head, it's going to get in both of their heads. Like obviously, Ghana's winning in their tally, but Ashton wants to prove it otherwise. And if Ghana goes out like a steam train, then Ashton's got to be prepared to respond and accept that it's going to be a hard fought slog and your tank's going to be empty at two minutes and you've got another two minutes of hell to get to the finish line ahead of it. Yeah, no, that's that's bonkers, man. I, I mean, I remember like loading in on Tiso and I even told Ashton that I was going to lose, I would have lost a lot of money. And this is why I don't bet. Um, but like, I, Man, I was always betting on Ashton every day I, of the week. And see, I feel like a really shitty friend because literally everybody has said that to me. Like they're always betting on Ashton. I'm an honest guy. Here's the thing. I will, I will put it out there. I will say it. I will take credit for it. But yeah, I would have said Ashton would have gotten second. I, I just thought in the final, I thought it would have been gone. Like he maybe would have qualified faster in the opener. But I think Ghana would have backed it up in the final, and I thought Ashton would not. And hey, I'm wrong. I'm taking taking it on the chin. I'm wrong. And Ashton's—I don't know Ghana. Ashton's a friend of mine, and so it makes it even worse. Uh, but more or less, I was just looking at it as the way it was. Yeah, I think just seeing whether it, the catch was on for for Ashton as well, because I think he went out pretty pretty hot still. Yeah. But anyway, he's got it now, so who cares? It's all if buts and maybes. He's got the rainbow jersey. So yeah, he's got the jersey. He's a world champion, and it's something that a lot of us will probably never ever get to say that we were, you know. And it's like that's a really cool thing to have. And like, yeah, it's it's even funnier being like the U.S. national champion and like him not have showing up to that, and then him to have won that. It's like, yeah, my jersey is just complete shit. It's just hanging right there. <laughs> Um, it just means absolutely fuck all. Cause somebody actually commented, he was, uh, he was getting ready to set the, the four minute barrier. Somebody commented on his, for, on his photo. Cause he was wearing the hoob national championship kit. And it's like, isn't that John's Jersey? And I was like, fuck. <laughs> Did some, you've got to be kidding me. Should have been John. Yeah. Yeah. Justice for John. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I was just like, Jesus Christ. Cause then Ashton like texts me. He's like, Hey man, cause you know how Ashton is like, Ashton's like, he actually thinks that I'm upset about that. And I'm like, oh, dude, like, I don't care, you know, cause he's like the nicest dude in the world. But, uh, but anyways, let's, you know, let's dive into 
you know, what, what's goals next year for Dan? Like, you know, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? Um, it's funny because I, we're going to have this podcast and I'm actually going to take this clip that I'm, I'm doing right now and I'm going to throw it in like a year from today. It's like a memory bank because every time I talk to you, you say you're going to do one thing or you're done or this or that. And you, you've, you've max, like you're that much better the next time you jump on the podcast, you have that many more accolades to you. So like, what else can you add? You've already written a book. What else can you do? Um, what do I do? So yeah, there's some cool opportunities coming next year that I can't really talk too much about yet, but some new cool stuff on the horizon, which is pretty sweet. I definitely want to have a go at the world hour record. Mm-hmm. I'm quite tempted to have a go at sea level and not do the whole altitude is cheating thing and see okay. if I can do it at sea level. Maybe. I, that, don't hold me to that. Um, it might change my mind. But um, yeah, the, the hour record's a big one. I want to win road nationals. I was obviously pretty close this year. Didn't have... In the time trial, right? In the time trial, yeah, yeah. National TT champ. I've got to be Ethan Hayter. Obviously quite an ask. He's pretty... Pretty, pretty epic across everything pretty pretty legit yeah uh what else have we got i want to go to worlds i want to be top five at worlds i think that's doable i'm just gonna so, put it out there so no more track like no more track racing you might see me at the national ip okay but that's maybe i don't know yet maybe right. i'm keen to have a go because i've not done an ip in like two years but i've done some quick ones in training like i think i can beat the british record Sorry, John, I know you've got it and it's 409, but I'm pretty sure I can beat that. Yeah. But kind of be competitive uh, internationally. I mean, if it goes well in January, maybe, because we've got the Commonwealth Games next year yeah. in the UK and Birmingham. But I want to target the time trial there. But maybe I could do time trial and individual pursuit together. Is that yeah. a good combo? Maybe. Yeah. Chloe Diger does it here. So, yeah, yeah. So, there, so. Uh, yeah, I'd say they're the main ones. Commonwealth Games, National Champs, World Champs, World Hour Record, done. Well, the Olympics is only two years away. Oh, God. <laughs> like, has it not crossed your mind at all? Ah, uh, yeah, in some capacities, definitely. Um, like, Team Pursuit as well. Like, I, I do love the track, uh, and I feel like it's, it's been well documented. Like, me and BC, we're definitely on better terms, especially on the road, actually. Matt Bramley has been wicked. And um, but on the track, like I'm still not really an option. I don't know why. Um, maybe it could be in the future. And I'd be keen on the team pursuit front. But then there are a lot of really strong kids coming through. They're like 18, 19 year olds now. And in two years' time, three years' time, they're not going to be 18 year olds anymore. They're going to be like, well, I say they're fully grown men already with outrageous <laughs> numbers. So um, they're going to be pretty something special. So the team pursuit, I'd be probably interested in. Maybe. I um, wouldn't say no. Um, I've done some quick times with the Danes. I've ridden in their squad and, and gone sub 350 and that's been pretty sweet. So could parachute in, could do time trial. I don't know. I'm, I'm open. Never say never. Like you say, like I always yeah. just like play yourself down and then just go and do something anyway. No, it's it's like every time I talk to you, man, it's it's that much more mad, like what you're doing and where you're at. Like, where are you even at right now? You're home, right? I'm home only for the next few weeks and then okay. off the board again for stuff. But I'm on my off season. Like I'm doing the thing where you don't ride your bike and it's really weird. And I tried running last week. And my foot's hurt for five what days. What the fuck is up with that? Why is everybody doing this? Like I've like between you, Hedgeberry, there was like a couple Kiwi girls that were doing it in the Olympic uh, village. Like what? 
why do you guys want to run? Because it's like, oh, I can't touch my bike, but hey, I'm going to go do this thing where I slap my feet across the ground because that'll be good for me. It's not. I, yeah. I, I strongly advise. <laughs> right, on. right on. Well, uh, yeah, at least at least we know you're not making the turn like Adam Hansen and just like going full triathlete. Full triathlete. No, Tip has been doing that. Maybe, maybe at one point. I came from triathlon, so yeah. I could always go back there maybe. But um, yeah. I, in fact, yeah, it does remind me. I'm, I can't say it yet. Now, I'm, I'm actually getting involved in a really cool triathlon project that I can't talk about. It's really, pretty cool. Oh, shit. Well, there you go, guys. He's getting into a project that he can't talk about, but he's just going to bring it up. So we all go, what is it? And then he can't <laughs> tell us. Well, yeah. so diving into then something that you can talk about, something that I wanted to talk about. So we're getting into that season where we're diving into the trainer that we're getting on the ergo. And uh, mm. I decided to watch, rewatch uh, British Road Nationals because, you know, I, I take I take care into guys like you that are that are riding it. It feels cool that I, I know people in other nationalities that are racing the national championships and that are fucking doing cool things like attacking and riding off the front for God knows how long. Um, but man, Adam Blythe has it out for you, huh? <laughs> Another guy yeah. that I would love to have on the podcast, but probably definitely won't come on now. Um, but um, yeah, like it seemed like every time you attacked, the who's the other commentator? I don't even know who the other commentator Matt was. Stevens. Matt yeah, Stevens. so yeah, it's Matt Stevens. And, and Matt Stevens would be like, oh man, look at Dan. He's got this great arrow position. He's looking good. He's looking fit. And then, you know, Adam would just throw that cheeky comment of like, yeah, but he can't hold it forever. So this is something that we really need to work on. Like, you know, it's, I mean, look at, look, the best comment was Philippe. It was the Philippe comment. It's like, look at Philippe. Like he doesn't have any of that equipment and he wins worlds. It's sometimes it just comes down to the legs. What is, what is your beef or your, or the, arrow sock hatred from uh from adam blythe because i know that this has been going on for like almost four years, years at this point yeah yeah, yeah. years years um the alaphilippe fallacy it cracks me like alaphilippe won despite his poor equipment choices not because of and that that really frustrates me and that's the clear thing he won despite it not because of it and, yeah uh, the sooner people realize that the sooner they can appreciate how good an athlete athlete was, but it doesn't mean that's what you should do. That's a poor example of how to actually win a bike race. But anyway, that's not my problem because if they ride slow kit, then it makes my life easy to beat them. So anyway, yeah, uh, yeah when it kicked off with Blythe, I think it was Aerosock related years ago. I think he kicked off about Aerosocks and that they don't work. And it's like, I'm pretty sure physics says they do work. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We just we come into the sport from like such different ends of the spectrum. Like he's all about how everything looks, the style, the history of the sport, and like matching everything and having like I don't know, suplesse or finesse or whatever you want to call it when you ride a bike. And I'm just there, like I want to win. I don't care how I look. I don't care how I ride. Just fastest kit, fastest tactics, fastest position. Just win the bike race and they're totally different ends of the spectrum like i've said it before I'll say it again i'm happy wear a giant penis outfit it makes me go faster don't get it, it makes <laughs> you're gonna win you're gonna win right i'll yeah. cross the line looking like a massive penis with a couple of balls hanging out the back yeah who cares right you're winning the bike race like yeah you can finish second and look cool but you finish second mate yeah and it's just a different approach and different Which might even that. might even be worse like if i was second to a giant giant penis i'd be pretty bummed um, yeah, 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 it's probably not a good thing to lose to. Yeah, yeah. That, that dickhead literally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so because it was like 
I, I almost it was it was kind of comical because it's like you're off the front and I I, I want to say there was like a U23 like hundred percent me British talent ID kid following behind you and um, yeah they talked about you I don't even know the kid's name because I only honestly heard about how you know between you I think it was Harry maybe Charlie who which right. one right it was Harry yeah, yeah, yeah they were they were talking about how you guys can't hold that position for longer and then I started well then I got curious so I started timing how long you guys held that position and you guys actually hold that position for pretty long and and train to hold that position for pretty long and I mean the only times that I would see Harry pop up is when he was on the back of the bunch like way uh, at the back you do it right yeah, yeah if, you, if you're in the line then sit up relax recover like stretch your muscles there's no point trying to be aero when you've got like 30 40 percent of your total aero drag if you're in the wind and then if you're man two man one or returning back then yeah get aero but yeah you can hold it for like a good few minutes like i mean i do time trials and hold it i did an hour record and held it for an hour like i can yeah. hold the position it's just that there's no point trying to hold the position when it doesn't really matter because it takes extra load so it's just risk versus, well, not even risk versus reward, it's just efficiency. Like you, you, you're efficient when it matters and you're not inefficient because it does, just doesn't matter in the line as much. But you're spending time in the front, you're taking turns, so you get aero. And over, overall, it's always better to be more aero. I think Blythe is arguing something about like, it's better to not take the aero gains and be more comfortable or something like that. And it's just... Well, yeah, because yeah. he was saying one thing that he pointed out, and this was at the time that everybody came back together, and I was going to ask you this, is essentially you guys would hold the position, and then you would get back in the back, or when you would relax, you would actually be more on arrow than you were before, is what he was saying. And have you guys tested, like, when you're, because obviously, like, if you're in the drops versus the hoods, and I'm just talking about a standard position, you're going to be a little bit more arrow in the drops, right? Because we've flattened the back. We've, we've taken the wind sail down just a bit, right? And so he, what he was saying is like, okay, now that you've pushed your hoods in like that or whatever the fuck you're doing, and you're like this and crunched over, the moment you start to relax, you're actually more un-arrow than you were when you were in the stock position or the wider handlebars. But I don't, I, I, I was nah. wondering if you guys have tested that or like, yeah, you see yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I get you, I get you, yeah. Uh, it's really simple optimization. And in short, he's wrong because let, let's say, can't even say that it's less aero having, to, let's say, turned in hoods in the line because it's not. It's still more aero, even if your arms are straight and your hoods are turned in. But let, let, for argument's sake, let's say it's a few watts less aero. So you're a few watts less aero if you were to ride like that position. Then you're in the line and you've got 50% less aero drag because you're in the draft. So now it's one watt less aero. And then it's, let's say it's 10 watts more aero to have the turned in hoods. So as long as you're spending at least 10% of the time in the wind, then you're in a better situation because 10% of the time, 10 to one, 10 watts to one watt. So you're better off. So if you're in a group of, let's say 11 people, then maybe it's not so much. It's not worth doing. If you're in a group of 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 people, then you always take the error gains over it. But then that's that's the argument that it's slower anyway to be in that position in the line. And that's just not true, full stop. If you're more aero, you typically being narrower is more aero, whether you've got arms straight, you're in the drops, you're in the hoods and tucks. Narrow is narrow. You, like, you bring your shoulders in, your front area goes down, your CDA goes down. So anyway, yeah, you really, you just, it winds me up because it's, it's just wrong, pretty much. 
It's, yeah. He doesn't have the numbers. He hasn't done the testing. He's just trying to, but he's, he's running with something that he doesn't have something to back it up with. And it's just a bit frustrating because yeah, it's, it's not true. Well, you, you've been on the, you've been on this podcast <laughs> enough times that I've asked you the question, you know, if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual, um, have you guys ever just sat down? for a cup of coffee and just chatted or like have you guys ever even met in person because i have a yeah. feeling like this is a classic cycling thing see i come from like american football and wrestling where it's like if i have an issue you you know i have an issue and we'll, we'll talk about my issue but i think what i noticed in cycling it's like if they have an issue it's like oh hey man how's it going cool yeah yeah and then that's it like that's a proper fuck you in cycling i've, I've noticed but like have you guys ever just like met and sat down and talked about aerosocks for you know, over a coffee. No, not oh. Matt. He did. He messaged. I think it was earlier this year, like I don't know, six months ago. Let's say, like something about let's have a chat. So I said, yeah, here's my number. I'm free these days, these times. Didn't call. Okay. So, it was weird weird because he asked for my number, so I assumed he wanted to actually talk. But no, um, the only real times I've spoken to him was when I was in the breakaway at the National Chance in 2000. Oh shit! That probably wasn't a good like conversation. That. No, no, because yeah, he was going at me for riding too hard. I mean, maybe I was. But. He talked about this in the he talked about this in the commentating, but he didn't say you specific. He said he said, "Yeah, I remember actually riding with some of these guys, and you know, <laughs> they'll just they'll just ride as hard as they want, and they'll blow themselves up, and you know, blah blah blah." And it was that's interesting. That's funny that you say that. And so, guys, if you haven't already, you should go back and uh, GCM Plus has the whole replay of uh, of this race, and you should go back and watch it. It's really interesting. It actually it actually makes that bike race fun to watch. You know, because like sometimes that shit can kind of be boring, but you can tell like there's some there's some sort of hostility there <laughs> of some sort. While it's not a while it's not a, a lot bad of people thing. Yeah. About that. Just like yeah. why is he going in on you? Like the whole time, just just or oh, I don't know. It's funny anyway. It gets more attention about me and Aero. People search down big and go and watch up, buy some yeah. cool stuff. Where we go, like I'm not going to complain, but it's just yeah. funny. <laughs> no, for sure. And so. One thing I do want to say before we part is, um, you know, if I could have a cup of coffee with one individual, it would be just to sit with you two um, and have a <laughs> cup of coffee. And I would just sit there quietly. I wouldn't say a word. Um, yeah. Or get you two on a podcast and, and have a cup of coffee that way. And we could just talk for, for an hour. Uh, it's probably not a good idea. Like, you should start doing that. You should, um, I've seen like a mediator. Twitter, like, someone's been blocked, like a mutual person, like, I did it. Yeah, but like, do it. Bring two people in who disagree, and you just you're the referee. And just yeah, crack on. mate, I did it with the whole organization. I did it with USA Cycling. Really? You remember? Did you see that podcast when they released the ODA? I brought no, I on. It. Oh yeah, so when they started the ODA, I brought on mm. nine people. So I brought on like the higher ups at USA Cycling, the CEO of USA Cycling, and four people that were against the ODA. And I literally yeah. just sat like. I just sat there and let people talk. I had Neil Henderson who coaches Rohan Dennis. And like, I mean, I had, and it was probably, that's probably one of my better podcasts. It was just me being a mediator. I think I maybe said a couple sentences and I had to like, kind of like control people too. And like, cause they would get heated. And it was one thing I learned from that podcast though, is that you do not ever want nine people on a fucking podcast. Like here, never, ever. It doesn't matter what you're trying to get across. It was a fucking panel and it was awful. And so I thought it was, I thought it was a bad podcast, but I actually got more love from that podcast than most of my podcasts because they thought it was kind of interesting on 
hearing the whole bits and pieces of it. Um, it gives balance, right? Because that yeah. I listen to you probably listen to a lot of podcasts as well, but you listen to them and you're like, but I just don't agree with this. Why? Why are they not calling it out? But like, you're not going to sit there and call out your guest because it, it's just it's poor form. It probably comes across poor. For sure. You don't want it, right? Like you want to have a good conversation, a good rapport. So you're not going to be like, hold up. I don't think that's true. You're lying. Sometimes lying. I do. Sometimes I do. Like I, I, I kind of, cause I played, I had to play, I had to play, you know, non-bias. Right. So like some of the things they were saying, I agree with. And some of the things USA cycling, I agree with like what they were trying to do. Like I get it. You know, it's like, it's funny to me when they're like pissed at USA cycling for charging 10 grand, but yet they'll be totally okay with whatever team here in town will charge 12 grand for them just to spend a month in Europe. Like it, you know, to me, it's like this caveat, right? So, um, and that's why I started the trade team. It was like, you know, the matter is, you know how many people here go, I will pay my way to a world cup, but they won't pay their way to go to a C1. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, if, if you're willing to pay your way to go get your teeth kicked in, in fucking, you know, Minsk or whatever, like, why wouldn't you just pay your way to go to the track challenge in Switzerland in December? You know, like a really nice fun time because it's yeah. like, I see one out there. Yeah. And so you, you do these things and it's, it's always funny to me, but, mm. and that's, and that's kind of the argument we had, but anyways, yeah, I would love to do that. So Adam, if you're listening, I'll even shoot you a message after this. This would be great, but you probably won't respond. You probably won't even see it, but if you'd love to be on and same, same with you, Alex, douse it. I've, I've reached out to you enough times that just jump on, dude. It's good for yeah, you. I don't think me and Alex are like putting heads on stuff, by the way. You guys aren't. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That should be said. They aren't. He's, he's actually, he was actually in your defense. He thought you should have been able to go for the world hour record. Yeah. Well, the whole answer I, I don't think I should have been able to go to it without being on the registered testing pool, but he, he, yeah, he definitely stood by me and said like the registered testing pool needs to be more open and it's just, yeah, it's an annoying system, but yeah. I don't think it needs to be, it's more limits. I just think it, more people need to be on it. Like, so what do you have to be on the blood passport? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, so you're not on, you're not on the blood passport. No, 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 no I've been trying to get onto it. But, I've been trying to for years, like pushing, like I meet all the criteria, I race world cups, I race world championships. Just put me on the bloody thing. Like it's an overhead for me. It's stressful, right? Like I've yeah. seen every boss does it, but like I just I want to be on it because it means I can go and attempt these world records. And people are like, well, just pay your way. And it's like, but if I was racing at that level, you'd want that person to be getting tested, right? Why should they pay to prove they're clean? I actually I actually think it's really shit that you're not getting tested. Like, I mean, especially with the hour record and like where I, think you, I did get tested. Like, no, I for sure. You have to get yeah, tested. You have to get yeah. tested. I think it's shit that you're not getting tested like more frequently. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. so when I went, the same thing happened to me. I had never been tested until I went to Pan American Games. So I'd won several national titles. I've, you know, a lot of, I think I, no, I didn't have a national record because I would have had to piss in a cup then too. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I got put on whereabouts, which is our, you know, passport. It's not a passport, but it's essentially whereabouts. We, we, we can be tested outside of competition. We have to upload where our location is. You probably got that somewhere. And, uh, yeah, I get tested. I was on it for two months. We won Pan Ams and then I was booted off of it. And then I haven't been on it since. And then I got tested six times. One was because of an illegal tip supposedly. And then (laughs) other, the other, the other five times was nationals. And then I got random selected at the Cali World Cup for being shit and getting fourth place and losing it all in the last K. So, um, yeah. So, but anyways, yeah, that's like the worst time to get tested is when it's like, oh yeah, we're going to test you because you don't have to go to the podium. Um, 
But anyways, uh, if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual right now, who would that be and why? And uh, what would your what would your coffee of choice be, man? Ooh, right now, who, who would I like to talk to? Man, there are a lot of people out there that I think are quite interesting at the moment. But I, I think it's people who've been through it. I'd actually quite enjoy to have a good chat with Chris Boardman again. I haven't spoken to him in like years, like a good two or three years. Dude, I, I used to message all the time. That's the second person that said this on this podcast this week. And that was really? Ash, Ashton Lambie wants to have a cup of coffee with him. Right. Unless he can. Can we get Chris on? Chris is really yeah, yeah. cool. That'd be cool. Like, I haven't spoken to him in a good while. Like, I think he's been busy on a lot of other things and commentary and whatever else. But um, yeah, he's just a really good guy with like this great view on things because he's, he's been at the cold face and now he like sits above and sees things from a good distance. And just that perspective is worth his weight in gold, having the experience and the ability to actually say, look, you're probably going about this wrong and do this, this and this instead. And he, he navigates or not always hasn't always navigated the political system well, but now does. And now you can guide accordingly. So I think he'd be a cool guy. Um, Which is kind of so, like you, I guess, in some way, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe in 10 years, 20 years time, I'll be able to give genuinely good advice on how to navigate political systems, mostly yeah. because I've put my foot in every single yeah. shit possible. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what coffee would I have? Well, it's quite late in the day here. It's like six o'clock. So I'd probably have to go decaf. I hate a decaf. So I'm normally a flat white kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, I used to love like a, a good like uh, salt caramel, something or other, or maybe even like a pumpkin spice, you know. Oh, so shit. Friend loves. Yeah. But they're a bit sickly sweet now. Kind of moved away from them. I, well, I, I heard... I heard pumpkin spice sales have gone up in uh, in the cycling world after somebody wins a world record because that's all they've been drinking for the last month and a half or world championship after the fuel on pumpkin spice has pump, pumpkin spice gels pumpkin spice energy mixes pumpkin well, spice lights. I'm actually shocked that they haven't released that yet. Like there isn't a company that does that, or is there? I don't know, guys. If you are a nutrition company, yeah. If you haven't done that yet, what the fuck have you been doing? Like, yeah, it's just like. Pumpkin spice, because I have a sponsor that does pumpkin spice chain lube. Like it smells like pumpkin, and it's only released between um, this bike hardcore. It's only released between because they thought it was funny. It's only released between October first, October thirty first. I think it's great. Um, I wonder if I get some pumpkin spice like aftershave and just put it in all the watch shop products. <laughs> dude, this, yeah, this you might as well. Yeah, or fucking mustache wax, pumpkin spice. Um, but anyways, guys. Uh, I don't want to hold Dan up. I'm his seventh call today and he was willing to talk shit and have fun with me. And I really appreciate that, man. So guys, if you haven't already, I mean, you're probably here because you know who Dan Bigham is, but if, if you don't, his link to his um, social media is down in the description below. Watch Shop, which is the company that he owns slash co-founded slash is a huge part of. Please check it out. Yes, the stuff is expensive, but not all of it is expensive and speed is sometimes is expensive. So Invest in it, man. It's worth it. it well. It's made in the UK. Yeah, it's it's great. Like, look, I I paid full price. Not actually. I will. I'll be honest. Dan hooked me up for his first set of extensions, his first gen, and by hook up, I mean like I was like a couple percent off. But I paid full price for this second set, and I broke a 26 year old track record that was set in '96 in T Town, and that was the day after I got them. And so. It's worth it, worth the purchase. I'm saving up okay. money now and selling my firstborn for the uh, base bar here soon. Um, but anyways, guys, thanks so much for listening. Dan, you're the fucking man. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Cheers.
Thanks, man.